What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hey, I'm Mike. And I'm Nat. We are Gloria Schlack and we talk about movies and video games and all sorts of other stuff and probably star wars too yeah so definitely thank you for listening and please tune in okay so today we have a guest um his it's name is connor. sean it's not connor. yeah it's not connor. connor i guess yeah we killed him off and then we brought him back yeah for did. for ratings and sex appeal <laughs> As you can tell, mm-hmm. we're here to widen the audience. Yes, yes, the target audience. Yes, yes, widen the audience. Yeah, we're 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 lacking in the key demographic of human beings, so <laughs> that's why you're here. I'm flattered. Right. <laughs> you human no, no, you appeal to human beings. Oh, that's why you're here. The, we don't. The only audience. The only oh. audience. I mean, like we've gotten birds, cats, and you know, uh, the occasional accidental click, but we need real people. <laughs> Yeah. Also, um, make sure to follow us at Gloria Schlock because I love shameless plugs on our own thing. Mm-hmm. Be sure to like <laughs> and subscribe and do all that other Zoomer uh, yeah, TikTok shit. And send us your money. Yes, money. <laughs> anyway, that, that's important. Patreon for this? No. <laughs> Not yet. All right. So anyways, we're going to talk about a few things today. One um, of them is why Sean is here, because I brought him. Wait, is there a story behind that? Yeah, I picked him up in in my car and drove him here. That was a great okay, story. yeah. <laughs> well, now that that's taken care of. Um, so where do we start with this, then? Do we want to start with Simon Pegg, because we already brought him up? Sure, let's start with Simon Pegg. So and then Simon Pegg, like, uh, like, scream shit on Star Wars fans. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, he's... No, the newest know. one. The newest one. I saw yeah. the original screen. No, you get see watch the newest one. It's fantastic. Uh, yeah, I heard it was good. Yeah. Right. But yeah, he he just said that like the Star Wars fandom is so toxic right now, and I mean he's not wrong. He's not wrong. <laughs> he's not wrong. <laughs> well, I, okay, I did want to bring this up because like we also want to talk about the comments that William Shatner made recently about how the, the, are these the ones about how he hates red letter media for some reason? No. No, um, because <laughs> that's a thing. Yeah, that was a thing. Um, I mean, people can look that up on YouTube to get the full explanation of that from, or or don't. Yeah. It's more fun to just kind of be, just kind of be like, what the fuck. Yeah, uh, but see, Shatner gets in the fight with people all the time on Twitter. That's like, true. Over the who did he get into a fight with? That like he had a restraining order, or like someone. Came oh no! no okay, so he he got into a fight with Sebastian Bach, the singer of '80s hair metal band Skid Row, on Twitter, and I don't know the full context of it because by the time the story made the news, like a lot of the uh, or initial tweets had been deleted. <laughs> But I guess the two of them knew each other because they're both Canadian and they were both at like some sort of 
I don't know thing of like Canadian born entertainers. Okay. Okay. Just know each other. I yeah. guess. I mean, ninety percent of their population lives so, within ten kilometers of our border. So. But yeah. So, um, anyways, some point after that, Bach was like doing some promotional. Are you sure that maybe Shander wasn't like, "Hey, I, I hate you're the worst composer. I hate I hate your classical music." And Sebastian Bach was just like, "That's not me." Yeah. Um. <laughs> I, I doubt it, considering that they actually apparently did meet themselves in person, oh. or meet each other in person. But, I mean, everyone meets themselves in person at least once. I, I, but, I don't know. <laughs> Sean, have you met yourself in person yet? Who am I? <laughs> right, anyways, this is really going off topic, so just to s <laughs> speed this up. Okay, so long story short, Bach was doing some promotional for like his latest tour album or whatever on Twitter, and Willem Shatner said something, that I guess pissed him off, and it led to this whole back and forth between them. And it got to the point where Bach was saying, like, I know where you live. Like, I'll come fight you if that's what you want, <laughs> or something like that. This is not what Shatner <laughs> said recently, by the way. But no. This is just, no, this was like... This? this is part of our grand eight scheme Eight years of ago at that point? This is also part of our yeah. grand scheme of getting more people to, like, follow us on Twitter. Is either going to do a fight with William Shatner or, or, Kevin, or, or, Ke or Kevin Durant. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to make our own feud? Yes, for no reason. Um, Remember, our Twitter is at Gloria Schlock if you want to see us, <laughs> you know, be way in front of our skis. Or if your name's Kevin Durant and you yeah, want to us. Yeah, Kevin Durant, you're mid. <laughs> oh. I mean, unless you're cool with us, then you're great. So, um, yeah, that was that. And then he got, he got pissed off at Red Letter Media because Shatner was talking about the Pet Shop Boys. And they have a song called Red Letter Day. And that led someone to tweet at him about Red Letter Media. It's like, I don't know who they are. And then Red Letter Media like sent a tweet at him, and he's like, oh, it looks like you guys do a podcast. I'm sorry, I don't do podcasts. And then they sent a tweet back at him being like, what's a podcast? And then that was it. But then people started like bombarding Shatner with videos of Red Letter Media to try to get him to show up on his show. And then he... like flipped out because he thought that like Red Letter Media was somehow directing their fans to harass him. So then he just, <laughs> he like, like it got ridiculous. He wrote this gigantic like essay, but yeah, long story short, Shatner gets in the fight with a lot of people. And this is all just a prelude to what Shatner recently said. Yeah. So Shatner recently I mean, it's not complicated. He just said that, like, Gene Roddenberry uh, would be rolling in his grave at New Star Trek. Except, except, he said, except I think, uh, for Strange New, uh, Strange New World. Was it specifically for Strange New Worlds? I thought it was just at, like, New Trek in general. I think it was New Trek in general, but I thought what I read was that there was, like, a... It was, like, a... Yeah, but not... Maybe not that, but all this other crap, yes. Okay. But that could have also just been the... Art, the, the article that, that we read, it could have just been that, that writer's interpretation. All right. Anyways, the reason why I wanted to bring that up uh, before we get into Star Wars or Star Trek is that I want to say that both of them, uh, William Shatner and Simon Pegg, they're both correct, but there's a lot of, like, asterisks there. Yeah, and we're going to talk about those tiny little stars. Yeah. I'm not going to try to fumble over asterisks. Okay. Oh, just stars because it's Star Wars and Star Trek. Hey, hey there you go. <laughs> yeah. 
And also, yeah, everyone that everyone that's a Star Wars fan is a tiny little penis. <laughs> Whoa! All right. <laughs> yeah, th- there's a lot of qualifications needed for what they thing. said. Yeah, all tiny penis people. They <laughs> just offended so many. Because and Kevin I, Durant. I I mean, because like I read that and I'm like, okay, he's he's technically not wrong. Yeah. Like, yes, I do think that Gene Roddenberry would be rolling in his grave at modern Star Trek. That being said, and I'm not defending modern Star Trek, um, I haven't watched Strange New Worlds yet. Just throwing that out there. Um, Can we title this uh, Mike Defends New Star Trek? No, I do not want to be associated with defending this crap. Because um, everything I've seen of Discovery and especially Picard is Good. just awful. I will say, I haven't watched Picard, and I've only watched a little bit of Discovery. I want to make this abundantly clear. If Discovery was just called Discovery, and it was not associated with Star Trek at all, mm-hmm. it would be fine. Yeah, it, it would be fine. It's just like a generic sci-fi yeah, show. It, it would be fun, and people would be saying, hey, this is inspired by Star Trek, mm-hmm. and they wouldn't be wrong. But yeah, if, you, if it was just called Discovery, like that's the name of, you know, that's the name of the ship, and it's like, oh, it, it, it takes a lot from Star Trek, but does its own thing. And it's like, no, it's not as good as Star Trek. But it's it would still be fun and watchable. Mm-hmm. But as a, star, as a piece of Star Trek, it kind of fails at... This is like what we were talking about in, in the car right here, about like the prequels, and like how some of the prequels fail at being... Like with Star Wars, how some of the prequels fail at being like, Star Wars. They don't feel like it. No, yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of what Discovery is, where it it feels inspired by, but it doesn't fit. Yeah, because I remember way back when Discovery started, and the first uh, the the premiere, I watched the premiere, and I was just like, okay, this is basically like J.J. Abrams Star Trek, but without yeah. the humor. Yeah. Which was one of the best things about the J.J. Abrams yes. Star Trek. It was, yeah, it was the fun. <laughs> yeah, so this is J.J. Abrams Trek, but without the fun. So Ooh, the lens flares, you know? <laughs> no, there were lens flares, at least in... Well, because well, yeah. I know J.J. directed the premiere. Yeah. Now that I think of it, yeah, I think there was significantly less lens flare in the other episodes, so <laughs> that might have been why. Um, but yeah, and... and Okay, to be fair, and I'm just going to say this because I know like people will probably complain about this if I don't say it. Yes, the Star Trek being like big dumb action technically started with like the next gen movies. Yeah. And then that kind of carried over into the JJ films, which then carried over into uh, Discovery and Picard. Yeah. But the thing is, is like I said, the JJ films are at least fun. Yeah. And with the next-gen films, at the time that those were being made, you still had, like, other Star Trek shows on TV that were more conventional Star Trek. You had DS9, Voyager, Enterprise towards the end. Regardless of what you think about those shows, they still are... They still feel like real Star Trek, where they're more thoughtful. They're about, you know, like, big moral questions and all that. All the Roddenberry-esque stuff that you associate with Star Trek... It wasn't like now we're, again, I have not seen Strange New Worlds, but you look at like the J.J. films and then you look at Discovery and Picard and it's it's all just action, schlocky yeah. dumbness. Yeah. 
And there's none of, and when they do try to do uh, social commentary, like especially with Picard, it's done in the most heavy handed, blatant way possible, where it kind of feels like they aren't even really saying anything. They're just saying like, racism is bad. Immigration is fucked up. Trump is bad. And it's like, okay, um, are you going to tell me that the sky is blue next? Like, what What are you trying to say here, you know, like, narratively? It's, I think, I think, we've, I think you've said this before, it's, like, people who, like, played Mass Effect. Mm-hmm. But, like, that was what they got from it, was just, like, the, the big action set pieces. Right, right. Um, and that was it. Um, and in a sense, it kind of feels like what happened with DC with uh, the success of Nolan's Batman trilogy. Yeah. Where the thing you learned from this that you put into all of your other movies was probably not the only thing you should have done. Yes. I mean, I'm not going to... I'm sure there are people out there who were drawn into the Nolan movies because they like the sort of darker, grittier style of Batman. But first of all, that really only works with Batman. It doesn't really work with Superman. Yeah. And, and it doesn't work with the Flash either, even if Ezra Miller is <laughs> punching and choking everyone. And second of all, just because it worked with Batman, that doesn't mean that that was the only thing that people liked about those Batman movies. Right. Yeah. Like they, especially the first two. I mean, the third one had the third one had a bit more uh, is a bit more sketchy in terms of quality. Yeah. Still a good movie, but definitely the weakest of the three. Yes. But, yeah, the, there was a lot more going on in those movies other than just this is dark and gritty Batman. Yeah. And the same goes with the new Batman movie. There's a lot more going on other than just the fact that it's a dark, gritty noir movie. Right. And it's interesting that you bring up DC because I actually f- read this for the first time the other day. I tried doing research on it. I couldn't find much confirmation of it. So take this with a grain of salt. But I... No, it's from God's <laughs> lips. <laughs> I, I did read that uh, Alex Kurtzman actually is into Ayn Rand. <laughs> Which, if true, and again, this is just something that I saw, like, a few people mentioning it on Reddit, so I don't, this could just be complete bullshit. Uh, yes, Reddit, the best source. But it, it, it made me think... They cited Wikipedia, I bet. <laughs> no, they didn't. Okay, um, but it made me think about, like, if that is true, then it explains why Alex Kurtzman doesn't get Star Trek in the same way that it also explains why uh, Zack Snyder does not get Superman or just superheroes in general, really. I will say Zack Snyder, I I believe, has at least come out and been like, no, I'm not that, but... Oh, really? Did he? I think so. I mean, this was off mic uh, the last time we were here. Connor found some stuff, but... Hey, internet, take everything with a grain of salt. Um, but he may have also he may have also been inspired by some of that stuff. But either way, there's. So still, I was gonna say, especially in Man of Steel, yeah. like it, that sort of, Man of Steel. of objectivism is all over yeah. that movie, and, and not just in like the themes, but even in like, like when uh, what's his name Russell Crowe is explaining like the whole backstory of the Kryptonian. It's all done in like this 1930s Art Deco style. Yeah. Like, that that was, like, something straight out yeah. of, uh, damn it, what's that video game called? Bioshock. Bioshock, thank you. Which, by the way, um, hey, Zach, because we're on a first-name basis here, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I don't really care. We actually haven't talked about him in a while. You notice <laughs> really? that? Yeah. Exactly. I don't really give a shit whether you are into Ayn Rand or not. No, just no. Make a Bioshock movie. Yeah, and then we will talk about it. And we will talk about it because your stuff's interesting to talk about and mm-hmm. can take up episodes. <laughs> it doesn't really matter if we like it or not. We will talk about it. Yeah, but I, I mean, that's, and that is probably something that we should bring up is that like if that is your philosophy, that's fine. But the point is, is that when you have a whole philosophy where the foundation of it is selfishness is good, yeah, and you're putting these people in charge of properties that are about how ultra, ultra, yeah, Ultr- altruism. altruism. Thank you. Altruist. Um, I'm still trying to quit caffeine, by the way. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Mike quit caffeine last time, and he was. I asleep. was like sleeping through the episode. <laughs> he was asleep the entire episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm a bit more awake today, but. Um, yeah, we're basically generosity in helping your fellow man is the moral foundation of the show or character. It doesn't really jive that well together. Like Roddenberry was basically a communist. Yeah. (laughs) Like. Famously. Famously so. And if you have someone who, who's a uh, philosophical thought process is that all human beings are just like inherently selfish and that's a good thing. Yeah. It's not really going to work with that sort of underlying... Uh, yeah, it's, and it's fo- not even the inherently selfish part. It's the that inherent selfishness is good and that's what you should yeah. strive for. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. the problem. Because Roddenberry essentially... Roddenberry was very much a humanist who yeah. believed that... If that it, wasn't obvious with the Harlan Ellison episode, <laughs> yeah. that was extremely anti-war. Yeah, who who basically believed that human beings right now were in their infancy and that one day we will grow beyond that. Yeah. And we'll be more mature and we will help each other out and, you know, le- lead each other into this bright, glorious future. Yeah. And it just seems like with, with new... See, and this goes into something else that I have an issue with with new Star Trek, where they tend to treat the villains like... They're very clearly treating the villains as stand-in for people that they don't like in the real world. Are we talking about Wonder Woman 84? Well, there's that too, because that's also basically the same thing. And you look at, like, old Star Trek, and they tended to... Again, going back to humanism, they really humanized the villains in old Star Trek, and there was always this kind of underlying feeling where even though Roddenberry and... Also, Rick Berman, Michael Piller, and the other people who took over after Roddenberry passed yeah. away, even though they were clearly, you know, they were very obvious about which side they felt was morally right, yeah. they didn't treat the villains like unforgiving, unforgivable monsters. Yeah. They generally approached them from the perspective like, you know, maybe one day we will be able to come to some sort of understanding. Yeah. I mean, you have that in the original series with that very first... Uh, appearance of the Romulans, where yep. at the end of the episode, the Romulan commander says to Kirk, uh, in, you know, in a different timeline, we might have been friends. And that's been a theme in Star Trek all throughout from the original series up to the cancellation even, of... Even in the episode with where you have Khan, where yeah. he's, he's allowed to go off with the, with, you know, the, the nurse from their ship. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> like, he's, he's allowed to go live his life. Right, right. Which then comes back and bites him in the ass, but he's allowed to go live his life. Right, but then that also ties into the 
themes of Wrath of Khan, the movie yeah. where Kirk kind of having to deal not only with getting older, but also with the repercussions of decisions that he's made in the past coming back to bite him. Like, yeah. he finds out that... Because, I mean, even though it's been exaggerated a bit in pop culture, Kirk does have this reputation of being a womanizer. Yeah. You get to Wrath of Khan, he's getting older, and he finds out that woman, the, one of the women who he banged in the past has a son that he never knew about, and she's like, well, were you going to be around? Like, no. You know, I didn't yeah. want him running off and gallivanting around the galaxy with his father, so I just didn't tell you about him. And then, of course, everything with Khan, where he left him on that planet. Planet goes to shit, Khan gets pissed off, and then sees his revenge, and it's like, well, yeah, why didn't you go check up on how they were doing? Right. Yeah. So, um... Sean, any thoughts? Are you still alive? <laughs> I, was, uh, I actually have not seen almost any Star Trek. What the hell is the wrong with you? What is wrong with you? I know, I know. That's... <laughs> no, you, you really should. Cause... I know, I've been mean, at least watched the original series. The original series, Next the Gen. Um, DS9. DS9. Okay. If you want to go past DS... Because I really like Voyager, personally. A lot of people don't. But okay. I think Voyager's really good, and... Enterprise is meh, but... Um, Enterprise is fine. Yeah, the, the problem with Enterprise was by the time they got around... Because you have to remember, like back in those days, seasons of TV were like 26 episodes. Yeah. So by the time they got to Enterprise, you had already had three seasons of the original series, seven seasons of Next Gen, seven seasons of DS9, seven seasons of Voyager. And it's like, how much more can you do with this concept? Yeah, yeah and the movies. Yeah. Right. Yes. And the movies, the yeah. Movies. There was like six of them. Right? Yeah, like 12,000 there, there, well, there, there were six with the original cast, and yeah. then they did four with the next-gen cast. Damn. Yeah. So yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, but I mean, really, with the, <clears throat> with the original, it's just the even numbers. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, or, wait, is it five? Where the one where it's like, well, what if, what if God was one of us or whatever it was? Yeah, five is what would God, what would God want with a starship. Okay, yes, that's right. <laughs> Well, no, it's one of God is one of us. Speaking of Star Trek, um, R.I.P. David Warner and also obviously R.I.P. Nichelle Nichols. Yes. And I mean, this isn't has nothing to do with Star Trek, but R.I.P. Vin Scully too, the, mm. the the voice of sports, which I know some of you are like sports ball. Fuck that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you just lost half of our subscribers. But. Uh, yeah, Vin Scully, one of the greatest human beings and one of the greatest, um, one of the greatest voices of anything. Um, we definitely talk a lot, but that was a man that knew how to paint a picture by not saying anything. Yeah. So yeah, a lot of that sucks. Now mm-hmm. I'm sad. So let's talk okay. about Star Wars fans. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> and let's, how they're not human. Just lay on. Um, well, I don't know. Should we wrap it with Star Trek first, since we're already kind of talking about? Yeah. That? Let's do that. Okay. Yeah. Because what I wanted to say is, Roddenberry, um, he wasn't visionary. Yes. But he was also someone who didn't really seem to have a good grasp on how to take an idea and make good stories around it, because he famously. This can totally tie into Star Wars. It, yeah, exactly. George Lucas. There, there's a lot of similarities between Roddenberry and Lucas. But yeah, Roddenberry famously, like, some of the worst episodes of the original series are the ones that he wrote. Yeah. Um, he also was, like, the only movie he had any control over was the first one, which yeah. famously was 
over budget, underperformed at the box office, and most people just think it's boring. Yeah. It's not really bad. It's fine for like a slow moving 70s sci fi movie, but it is it feels very like, dull. It feels very much, and this isn't true with the other ones, obviously, no, specifically no. two, four, and six, but it feels like a long form episode of Star Trek. Well, that's what it was because it was going to be the pilot for what was going to be Star Trek Phase 2. Yeah. And there was some back and forth uh, with the studio over whether or not they wanted to do another TV show or whether or not they wanted to do a movie because I've heard conflicting stories about this, but the dominant version so far seems to be that they originally wanted it to be a movie. Yeah. And then Star Wars came out and they're like, oh, people just want, you know, space battles and lightsabers now, so let's make a TV show instead. Maybe that'll be more successful. But then Close Encounters of the Third Kind was a big hit. So they're like, oh, maybe people still do like uh, slower movie, more thoughtful sci-fi. So they yeah. decided after they had... Because the show was like... They were right about to start filming the first episode. Yeah. And then they retooled it into a movie. So you had this script for a two-hour pilot, but a two-hour TV pilot is really only like 90 minutes worth of actual show because right. you have to have room for commercials. They retool it into a two-hour movie with no commercials. And yeah, you can tell from watching that movie that there were segments of it that were just stretched out so they could bring it up to yeah. that two-hour runtime. But then, yeah, he famously hated Wrath of Khan, which was also original, originally a script for Phase 2 that got scrapped, turned into I can see that. what is considered to be one of the best Star Trek movies ever. Yeah, and, uh, and I would say in that pantheon of, like, you know, great sci-fi movies, too. Yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not the gold standard, it, but it's in the picture. Yeah, and then he famously hated Star Trek VI, which is another fan favorite. Yeah. He hated it so much that he was considering legal action to prevent the movie from coming out, and then he ended up dying, so... so whatever. Yeah. Is that part of making the movie? No. Uh, the first one was the only one he was part of making. All the others... Oh, okay. could, because the first one went over budget and then underperformed, the studio basically took the power away from him for the movies. Oh, yeah. well, and no then... Then, the then... Yeah. <laughs> it, and then that gets to next gen because when they did next gen you have to remember at that point star trek was you know kirk spock yeah. mccoy right. next gen was the first time they had done a star trek show without those characters so the studio was like well we should probably get roddenberry involved and they got roddenberry involved and he was a notorious like control freak he had all these crazy dictates about how like the characters couldn't get into arguments because in the future everyone's happy and at peace and working together and the writers are just like how the fuck are we supposed to write stories <laughs> wait how do we no problems whatsoever <laughs> how, how do we develop characters if there's no conflict for them to grow from yeah so the first season was a complete shit show uh, the second season they brought in the guy who was the showrunner for Miami Vice and he, what? yeah, and he was like getting into arguments constantly with Gene Roddenberry over like the most minute bullshit. And uh, that's also why uh, Gates McFadden is not in season two because uh, Maurice Hurley, that's the guy's name, okay. they didn't get along. So she left and then she comes back for season three when he was gone. Okay. So then by the time you get to season three, Rick Berman and Michael Piller took over, and Roddenberry was still alive, but his health was starting to go bad, so Rick Berman and Michael Piller were basically able to retool the show to what they wanted, and Michael Piller especially was the guy who was responsible for, like, 
saying, okay, how about we make this more of like an ensemble character-driven show where we'll have like a Worf episode or we'll have a Data episode or we'll have a Picard episode. And also he really worked hard to bring in more writers like uh, Iris Stephen Bear, Brandon Braga, Jerry Tyler, and all these are people who went on to not only make next-gen great... Not Kevin J. Anderson. Not Kevin J. Anderson. Uh, Sean, just, you know, Kevin J. Anderson writes, like, all the Star Wars books. Oh, well, a, a like, lot of the 90s ones. <laughs> a lot of the 90s ones. He, he's, uh, his name has been mentioned so many times on here that I read it somewhere in association with Dune, and my brain was blown. Because <laughs> I thought, wait, but I thought this man only writes the crappy, weird Star Wars books <laughs> that Connor talks about. <laughs> like the one where the hut gets a giant gun and tries to hold up planets. <laughs> Sorry, a giant death laser and tries to hold up planets. Well, it's like the Death Star, but just stripped down to the main super laser. Just like a handheld. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and he, and he basically goes around and tries to like hold up planets for like money. Well, that was power. his intent. He never gets that far. <laughs> because he dies. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the B-plot. <laughs> yeah. Even though the book is named after that weapon, but anyways, um, yeah. So yeah, point is, is that Roddenberry, um, yeah, he would be rolling in his grave at New Trek, but I don't really know how much of a slight that is against New Trek, given that Roddenberry, is a, dead. a lot of things. There were a lot of yeah, things that he's not dead. Yeah. There were a lot of things in Star Trek that Roddenberry did not like that still went over very well with the fans. Yeah. And, like, especially with Next Gen, like, Next Gen basically got good when Roddenberry was... Dead. Well, no, he, he wasn't dead yet, but he... It's funnier. He basically had his power subverted by Rick Berman and Michael Piller, and they made the show into one of the best shows on TV after it had a disastrous first couple seasons. So basically, if you haven't seen Next Gen, just skip the first two seasons? I, or just look up like a list of like the best episodes of the first two, first two seasons and then just watch those episodes. Because there are some legitimately good episodes in the first two seasons, but most of those first two seasons are crap. Yeah. 